Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott with you. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Tell them Oilers Now sent you. As we go to our, he's our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show from Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins. Hello, Reed. How are you? you bob it's been a long time since i was producing this show one of the uh, highlights of my career along the way but I, I never would have made a guest of my caliber the headliner so i'm not sure how things have got off the rails there i think that tell- i do appreciate the title I, I, I think that tells you we're in the summer lull <laughs> well that's well i think just having me on at all indicates we're in the summer lull let alone being the headliner but oh, it's, it's fun to be on bob i always enjoy all right. chatting with you i, I Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, well, I, I, I enjoyed the first half hour of the show, and I, I always find it interesting to hear from our audience what sports they are invested in. And, and obviously with the shows we host, it's going to be Oilers, and it's going to be a lot of Elks. You and I talk, I, I think, a fair amount about U of A sports, probably mostly the hockey and football teams, though we might dabble in other things along the way. So, I mean, we know our audience is is Edmonton-centric, is, is Oilers-centric, um, and is pretty football-centric, whether it's CFL and or NFL for a lot of those people. Or for myself, <laughs> or, or and that's what I was going to say, Bob, because like, I, I assumed you were probably going to ask me my top three. Yes. And when, when we work in the industry... It's it's a little different than being totally uh, a fan because part of what we do is is we are doing this also for our jobs. But clearly, you and I have been hockey fans our entire lives. So hockey is up there for me. Pro football is up there for me. And I'd say it's been in my top three all of my life. I, I, I love the NFL. I, I love the CFL. I've been an Elks season ticket holder since 1997. Now, it's it, it, with the NCAA, I would say... I follow the NCAA once the season gets going. I'm aware of what's going on and who the top-ranked teams are and if there are any upsets, but I really won't sit and and maybe put time aside to watch an NCAA game until maybe it's a conference championship game that I'm interested in or it's one of the now Final Four games, which I think it's, it's great that they've actually gone to that playoff format for the last few years. Now, but having said that, if if I want to, if I were to watch uh, a conference championship game, there's usually an Oilers game on, on, at the same time. Yeah. So doing my job clearly takes precedence. So I don't know that. That's why I wouldn't list NCAA for myself because I don't consider myself. Um, I don't consider myself like a hardcore fan unless I'm putting time aside to watch a game. For the people who texted in Blue Jays, like how many of them follow the Blue Jays? How many of them watch two to four games a week? How many watch almost every game? Right. I mean, you, you could. I think with baseball, it's a sport you can you can follow fairly easily without perhaps watching all the games. But as baseball for me, for most of my life, would have been in my top three. And I would say through the late '80s and most of the '90s, maybe even into the early 2000s, 
baseball, well, maybe not into the early 2000s, but certainly for a chunk of the 90s, baseball would have been second for me. And I think part of that was uh, you had some good Expos teams, not not every year, but often competitive. We know what happened in 94 when they had the best record in the majors and the Blue Jays uh, going to the playoffs in, what, 85, 87, 89, uh, did they go in 90? And then I think 91, 92, and 93. I don't think they went in 90 and clearly won the World Series in 92 and 93. And I can remember, like, speaking of watching entire games, the, I, I, it was the summer of, I think it was the summer of 93, the year old John Olroot batted 400 into the second week of August. Uh, in, in July and August, or I can't remember what it was, but I was taking a, a summer course at the U of A. It was like three or four weeks, and it was 2 to 5 p.m., and you got to, I mean, it's pretty intensive. You got to go, you got to keep up, you got to do homework every night. But I would come home and make supper and watch the entire Blue Jays game because they usually start at five playing in the East. And, and then I would do my reading or my homework after. So I, I was a pretty uh, dedicated Blue Jays fan now. But now I, I would say I follow baseball, but I, I you know, it's not often I'm going to sit and watch an entire game. Like I, number three for me, Bob, would be golf watching the golf majors and the big events. Um, you know, I watched part of the tour championship on the weekend. I love the majors. Who knows how they're going to look next year if the live players don't aren't allowed to play, which is another storyline to follow. But, but the top three for me now would be, like, I don't, I'd even put, like, NHL and pro football in a, in a tie for first because I, I really love pro football and kind of sitting and watching NFL on a, on a Sunday on if it's a day off is, um, you know, a bit of, bit of a more leisure time for me. And then I'd put probably the golf majors at number three at the moment. You know, I, I was interested here, F1, that's big. I mean, I got a friend who's an F1 fan go, going way back. I, I mean, he's, he's a buddy. He's lived in, he grew up in Leduc. He's lived in Edmonton all his life. He's a little older than me. Honestly, he'd probably struggle to name half a dozen players on the Oilers, uh, even though he lives here. But F F one, he could tell you everything about it. Yeah, it's interesting, Reed. I mean, I think people evolve and change, right? Like if I, I you know, I look back to the mid nineteen eighties and think, would I be in an international soccer the way I am now? No, right? Uh, right. Or you know. There's a guy named Steelbuck6 that has posted a ton of um, no-huddled college football games from the late 70s, actually from the early 70s, all the way into the 2000s. And it's, you know, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'm totally honest about it. I love the National Hockey League. It's a privilege to broadcast Edmonton Oilers games. It's awesome. I'm always going to care about the U of A. I keep an eye on the Edmonton Oil Kings. I do watch Bakersfield Condors games online. Um I watch a lot of NCAA college football, and I already took a look at the schedule for October, and the Oilers don't have one Sunday game in October, and I'm stoked because it's going to give me a run on the NFL. My interest in the CFL has declined, and partially because of the lack of offense. And there was a time in which the best you know, playmakers, some of the best playmakers out there, weren't getting opportunities in the National Football League, and they were coming to the CFL. The NFL has opened up their game to offense, uh, NCAA clearly has, you know, from the days of, you know, we got Chris that works on our staff here at 630 Chad, and he's in a, he's from Ohio. Uh, he's an Ohio State fan, and you think of three yards and cloud of dust with Woody Hayes and Big Ten football back in the day and Archie Griffin, and it was boring to watch, right? Like it was uh, uh, option, it, it, you know, it was run option offense, very little passing, and now it's completely different with a spread option offense in college football. I like offense, and that's where we're going to go next, Reed. 
offense and the potential of what the Edmonton Oilers can accomplish this year. So I'm going to I'm going to change and and I I don't mean to denigrate the Canadian Football League, but a couple of the other leagues have really you know the, the National Football League is totally open up. What about Jackson say Reed? He said that he might be able to run for 300 yards a game today because nobody's allowed to hit anybody anymore. <laughs> and and I, and and I'm thinking I don't know if Bo can do that because he's got an artificial hip and he's about 57 years of age. But I <laughs> I wouldn't bet against him because you know Bo knows. But with all seriousness, like I like offense and. Uh, my interest in the CFL is is waning a little bit right now as a result. And the other thing is the players don't stay long enough in one city. Like, they're not there for 8, 9, 10, 11 years, you know, like, because I was spoiled from 78 to 82. I mean, I can still name the entire defensive secondary for the Edmonton Eskimos. They had Holloman and Highbaugh in the corners. They had Greg Butler and not-too-tall Jones on, at, at halfback. And then they had, uh, you know, Lavarado and Frieda at safety. They had uh, Tommy Towns and Dale Potter on the outside. They had Danny Ray Kepley as a middle linebacker. Uh, they had the Swamp Dog, Ron Este, uh, as, a, as, a, as a rush end. Uh, you know, they had York Henschel, couple guys that have passed away, David Boone, uh, Dr. Death, David Finnell on that defensive line, and then later James Quick Parker. You know, those guys were here for several years, and it just seems there's too much turnover in the CFL. The league isn't what it in my opinion, as a, as a casual fan. But one thing that's working for the National Hockey League, Reed, is we are seeing more offense. And so realistically, here's the question for you. How many 50-goal scores could be in the league this year? What do you think? Oh, could that we, is a good question. Could, could, First could, of all, could the Oilers get two fifty? Could I, I put my predictions out today, and I have McDavid yeah. and Drysaddle both. Oh, score. I didn't even see that. Yeah, you're, you're not missing much. Don't worry. Could they both get fifty goals? <laughs> okay. First of all, I'll quickly say about the CFL. Uh, generally, agree with you. I think the quality of play and offense has bounced back this year. There have been some pretty good games and some high scoring games. Unfortunately, our team doesn't always score a lot of points. Totally agree about the the one year contracts. You, you don't know who your quarterback is going to be. You you can't get a favorite, you know, rugged linebacker or kick returner or something like that. That is a problem. Uh, now, did you, quickly though, did you vote in my Twitter poll? Which one? Speaking of Twitter, uh, the the get the Oilers scoring three hundred total goals that I put up yes, last night. I know you I like did. to vote. Yeah, okay. yeah, yes, I did. Okay, and did you vote yes with seventy well, percent of the people? I mean, if you took a look at my my, my my tweet today, uh, which is the Oilers' projected scoring for the twenty twenty two season, uh, I got McDavid at fifty, Drysaddle fifty one. That's one hundred one. Thirty six for Kane, one thirty seven. Twenty seven for Hyman, one ninety four. Twenty one for Arnage, two fifteen. Fifteen for Bouchard, two thirty. Twenty two for Yamamoto, two fifty two. Seventeen for Poliarvi, two sixty nine. Uh, Barry ten, two seventy nine. Nurse. 9, 288, McLeod, 12, 300, Fogel, 14, 314. Okay. There you go. That's 12 so guys. That, that doesn't count that there's going to be about a half dozen depth players score between three and eight goals each, right? I'm you already know, at three. It might be. I didn't realize I was that high. That's a hell of a lot of goals. That's pretty high. That is pretty high because Florida last year, because I was talking about this last night, Florida got to 337 last year. That's the most since 0506. That's kind of the cutoff line I use. The Oilers were at 285. They last got to 300 in 89-90 when they had 315. Uh, I think they will get to 300 because Kane, I'm not saying necessarily Kane is going to double his total, but he should get 12 to 15 more goals. I would think if Nugent Hopkins is healthy, he gets more to 11. He usually scores in the low to mid-20s. So that's an additional 20 goals right there and then the, the encouraging thing about the Oilers this season 
is that the large majority of the players, what they did last season was not an outliner, an outlier, what Pat, like what Patrick Maroon did in 16-17. You can count on Drysaddle score a ton. McDavid, Hyman got 27. Okay, is Yamal going to get 20 again? I, I think he can, or in that neighborhood. Pugliarvi, maybe we'll see, but... I think they'll get to 300. So you asked me 50 goal scorers in the league. So I just had to double check. There were four last year. Yep. Um, you know, I think that Dreisaitl and Matthews are, are going to get there for sure. I think Dreisaitl will have a 60 goal season at some point in his career. I, I think McDavid's going to get 50 this year. I'll predict that. I mean, Kaprizov got to 47. Kyle Connor got to 47. Uh, you know, even look at Matthew Kachuk, he got to 42. I mean, I think there's. I think it'll probably double. I think there'll be eight fifty goal scorers no. this year. I, I do think that's possible. But I think I mean, there'll be. I think there'll be five. Reed, I can't. I can't see eight. I, eight, I, well, I mean, Fors, like Forsberg had forty two goals last year in sixty nine games. You know, like there's there's players who who can do it. Um, you know, the Brinkat had forty one. Is he going to get fifty someday? I I I think it's it's going to be a higher total, and I and I think it's. You know, it's funny. I had Colin Fraser on one of the face-off shows during the playoffs, and I said it's like it's no longer a three-two league, like one of your former coaches used to say. It's uh, it's becoming maybe a four-three league. And he said, "No, no, no, Reed." He goes, "the the first number doesn't matter. If you keep the the goals against to two, you're going to win. That's the key number." And I said, "Well, fair enough." But I think there's going to be more games that end four-three or five-four. I think from an Oilers perspective, they should be a good team. They should have the lead in the third period a lot. That's going to be more empty net opportunities for for guys like McDavid and Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, players like that. So, I I, I think Drysaddle is going to flirt with sixty this year. I think McDavid will get to fifty um, for the first time in his career. And it, and it, again, some of the players I mentioned who were really close to fifty last year, if you're getting you know a a little bit more, a quarter of a goal per game more throughout the league around the season. I think that boosts those guys up to 50. Like, I think it could get to 7 or 8. Yeah, by the way, I, I just retabulated, and I'm at 284 with my top 12 scores for the Oilers, not 300. Okay, so that puts them over 300. That's still factor puts, in they'll, they'll find, fourth line guys. I think there's a distinct possibility, no. and, I, and I do think like fans like offense. They do. Now, you can have thrilling Two one three two games that are back and forth with great goaltending, but the reality is, you know, third and fourth line players today are different than they were fifteen and ten years ago. Ten years ago, you still had fourth line enforcers whose job was primarily to enforce, and we've moved away from that totally in the National Hockey League. You know, like the Oilers finished dead last in uh, in fighting majors last season. All right, Reed, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Uh, do you see the Oilers adding another forward or defenseman, and which position do they need more of? If they were to make, if they only got room for one guy at seven hundred and fifty k, where do they add? I would pick defense because I think you always need as many defensemen as possible. Um, you know, I think Broberg's going to be a very good player, but is he somebody that maybe is going to need some support or to be spelled out at some point? Um, but like you mentioned in the first half hour, I was looking at the free agent list as you were talking about it. It's light. And uh, like PK, I, I don't know if you need to go down that road. Not and he's fit. not going to come for 750. I mean, Strawman, who I, I, I loved in his prime, he's now 35. He was minus 16 last season. Uh, who, there's somebody else. Oh, Yandel, 
Um, no. Loved him in his prime, minus 47 last year. And I know they kind of played on, on no. lousy teams. Um, they already, just, just so everybody's aware, there was a little bit of discussion with Yandel at one time prior in the last couple of years because of the connection to Dave Tippett. Yandel, for me, is a no. That's not the type of guy they need to add. Yeah. I mean, Michael Stone is, uh, I heard somebody texting about Michael Stone. I thought he played more than that last year. He only played 11 games. And you're right. He always seems to wind up going to. Now they got 10 guys in our one, on one-way deals, Read on the back end in Calgary. So, there, I mean, I, I mentioned Harper in the past, represented by Jeff Jackson. Rick Vallette's got Ryan Murray. Ryan, mm-hmm. Ryan Murray has surprisingly good numbers where he's been. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, I uh, can you get Ryan Murray for seven hundred and fifty k? I mean, that might be the that that might make some sense there. Um, and wouldn't that be ironic, given that whole draft yeah. story of that year, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I would consider him because I I think he's you know he's solid, like and he's pretty experienced now. You're right, the health is an issue, but you're not you're not relying on him to play in the top four. You yeah. just need him to come in and 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 be be solid, not make mistakes, play 14 or 15 minutes. Now, did you end up, uh, just as a total aside, because, we, we, you know, Reed Wilkins is joining us right now from Inside Sports, and he'll set up the show a little bit later on. Did you end up fringing at all this year? Did you get back? Yes, out? I did. I volunteered at the Fringe. I did box office this year, and I believe I wound up going to ten shows. So I spent a fair amount of time there. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. You're, like, you're, you really are an eclectic guy, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. That's that's for you to decide, Bob. <laughs> oh, I think you're. But, but oh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's. Now, have you ever acted in any of these uh, plays? I in the '90s, I wrote and acted in a play called Video Pig in 1995, and in 1997, I acted in a sketch comedy show called Lime Green Llama. Uh, those are the only times I was actually in the fringe as a performer slash writer. I've now uh, volunteered seven times, okay. and obviously, I've attended as an audience member for a, a lot. And you are not going to Penticton with us, is that correct? Or, I am no, I'm not going to Penticton this year. Okay, well, it's going to be interesting coming up at rookie camp. But uh, sounds like the players are already back in town. Reed, uh, it's interesting. Like Leon Drysettle, fifty goal scorer, already back in Edmonton. Kind of end of August. I think that tells you a little about how he's wired. And uh, and and just one final one for you. Have you seen anything in terms of? Um, Netflix sports documentaries or any uh, docs recently that caught your eye? Specifically documentaries? Yeah, like there's one on Fogel that's out. The the Tim Donahue one's out. The the basketball ref that. Yeah, you... I want to watch. Yeah, I want to watch that one. And uh, the the there's the Manti Teo one. I'd like to watch. I watched uh, that I haven't one. watched any sports docs recently. Uh, I, I mean, I, I watched uh, Better Call Saul with my dad, so we watched the finale of that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, watch the movie Prey from the Predator universe. It was actually pretty good. If if you, I mean, it's it's uh, another twist on the whole Predator tale, but it was a pretty solid action. By the way, did you see? It. Have you seen Elvis yet? No, I haven't seen Elvis. I I feel like I didn't hear much about it. So I absolutely I despised Tom Hanks' character. Uh, like Tom Hanks played the role of Colonel Tom Parker. And pretty, I mean, Tom Parker had a very interesting backdrop, and 
uh, let's just say he benefited as the manager, as often as the case with a lot of these guys. I mean, we talked about this a bit yesterday with the Elias. Uh, there's a documentary out right now, um, read on the Luis Figo transfer when he went from Barcelona to Real Madrid. That was sort of the genesis of our conversation on yesterday's show. Poaching the best pl- pl- player, past or present from the Calgary Flames, kind of like what Real did when they pulled Figo out of Barcelona. Um so managers play a huge, you know, uh, agents play a huge factor in this. And, and I don't know what it is with Tom Hanks, and maybe it was his reaction to Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes, but I have not, th- I have not thought the same of Tom since then. And I watched Elvis, and I don't know if anybody else has seen the Elvis movie yet. I did, like, I, I, number one, I didn't like his character, and number two, I didn't like his portrayal of the character. And maybe it's because I don't look at, like Tom used to be a comedian, and I thought Ricky Gervais was brilliant in the Golden Globes. And uh, there's some people that need to be able to laugh at themselves a little bit more. So, uh, Reed, I recommend you watching it. Okay, I'm sure I'll check it out at some point. I, I I've gotten pretty behind in my movie because there's so much good TV now, right? You get into a eight or ten episode uh, TV series and and watch that, and kind of cuts into the movie. Hundred percent. I, I will put Elvis on the list. What do you got coming up tonight on Inside Sports? Well, Chris Jones is scheduled to join us after uh, the trade today, and the Elks getting ready for the Labor Day Classic. Sorry, what was the trade? Well, they traded Costigan and Nafis Lyon to Montreal. Like, they traded two of their best defensive players to the Owls. Really? So, that's, uh, yes, Thomas Costigan and and Nafis Lyon go to Montreal. Well, it would help if I open up the email. For uh, for Avery Ellis, who's a defensive lineman and a third round pick in 2023, so that's that's significant. So Chris Jones is uh, scheduled to join us tonight, and he's uh, a former Double E player. So he'll talk a little bit about Labor Day memories, and he's now the offensive coordinator at Harry Ainley. I don't know if you know anybody who went to that school, Bob. Uh, Brock Ralph is going to check in. Oh, uh, well, Brock's a great guy. Yeah, uh, Harry Ainley won the provincial championship last year, Reed. And I believe they are starting the season with a rematch of that on Friday. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Who, who now? Who, who are they playing? Raymond? No, St. Francis Browns from Calgary. Oh, okay. Wasn't now Brock? Brock Ralph played for Raymond. Brock and Dustin. He played Ralph for and Raymond, uh, and I think they only lost one game or something the whole time yeah. he was Brock there. Ended, Brock ended up that. playing at Wyoming. Uh, Dustin went to Wyoming, ended up at the U of A. Brett Ralph went to Wyoming and was supposed to play for the Golden Bears and got drafted by the Calgary Stampeders. And in that season, scored a touchdown against the then Edmonton Eskimos in the uh, Grey Cup game. And then guess what happened after that, or not in the Grey Cup, in the Labor Day Classic. Guess what happened after that game at Moose McGuire's in Calgary? Jason Greger. You have to tell me, Bob. (laughs) Jason Greger and myself witnessed a guy getting assaulted. It was brutal. Like, oh my God, that's awful. It was just, oh yeah, just. Like two wow. two Calgary fans going at it, and it was it was not good. <laughs> this is why I I try to end our segments with a quiz for Stoffer, so it ends on a high note, not an assault note. Well, it, it was it was bad. Like I was kind of looking at Jace, like, are we going to get in this thing? And I was like, oh my god, like it was bad. So that sounds bad. It was it was bad stuff. Hey, uh, but I do remember Brett Ralph ripping off a, a touchdown reception in that game. Great, have fun with Brock Reed. Thanks for joining us on Oilers Now. Eight fifty goal scores. Eight Reed. Eight. Holy cow! He's going all Gotta in. Be aggressive. Got to be optimistic. Go. All right, that is Reed Wilkins. We'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. Two quick texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Hodge says, Bob, if you can grab Murray at that figure, and I said, you know, you've only got like 750, 800 to pay, uh, you go get him. 
would that make Tyson Berry a potential trade uh, chip? I, I would not say initially, no. Uh, this texter out of Edmonton says, Bob, if Chris Russell is still available and wants to continue playing, I don't think he ever played a bad game for us. He'd be my league minimum D pickup. That one comes to us from Kurt. All season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. James H. Brown, it's a simple they're the best. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, they'll look after you. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey.